When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Sleepover Cinema, where we analyze the TV shows that created the collective unconscious of those who want to be Ethan Kraft's girlfriend. I'm Hannah Leach, a writer, musician, audio producer, and a Hillary Duff truther. And I'm Audrey Leach, director, editor, producer, and self-identified Miranda. (laughs) We are the sister duo, also known as Two Pink Productions, and we haven't stopped thinking about these on-screen experiences since we first watched them. We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the media that first inspired our love for pop culture in an attempt to answer the question, is this stuff actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if it is? Today we are talking about the Disney Channel's Lizzie McGuire. our second TV episode. We decided with this one to just give the people what they want. And we know you guys want Lizzie McGuire because of one missed stuff. So here we are. Yeah. And this is like the most acceptable, least controversial, I think, of her work. But we'll see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're going to talk about it. I do have to say, um, I am not a particular, like, fan of Lizzie McGuire, but I do have my Lizzie McGuire glitter on today. It's Colourpop. Yeah, do you really want to admit that? that Lizzie McGuire uh, branded. I didn't say that I hate it. I said that I'm not, like, a designated <laughs> fan. I yeah. feel neutral. Yeah. And I have the glitter, and it's cute. And I have it on, but because my ankle is a little different today. You can't really see it, but it's there. Nice. I have a new tattoo. Yes, you do. Do you want to talk about that experience? <laughs> I wore a tank top because I knew it would either one of us was going to bring it up probably. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, um, Hannah, you can show yours. Yes. So I have this big wheel surrounded by pink clouds of like yeah. dust yeah and then I got this one it's like the same it's the same object but mine just looks different and the idea behind it is that theoretically me Hannah our cousin Julia and our cousin Aaron are all supposed to have different designs of this same tattoo Julia already got yes. it Aaron is the last one left but it's a tribute 
to our grandparents' backyard, basically, because yes. this this big wheel toy was like always in their backyard and our parents' generation used it as well. It's cute. I, I just I just took the bandage off like two days ago. So Yeah. Yeah. Um no regrets, but I figured that it's just a new thing. I got my thirds pierced like three weeks, maybe like a month ago. And then I yes. got this like last week. So you're so edgy there's now. Not, there's yeah, it's still kind of not fun to sleep on my ear. <laughs> so that is so interesting. It's like it doesn't hurt, though. It's just like when I'm really because, you know, I sleep really hard on my ear. It's not any sort of casual yes. thing. Yes. <laughs> so that's that. I was thinking that the fact that you got like a familial tattoo the same week that Tunnel Under Ocean Boulevard came out feels very Oh, trust. Trust and believe. I was like, I mean, you cannot, that album is not for the faint of heart. If you have like unresolved or ungrieved things in your family, I feel like, and you, you read the lyrics. You have to read the lyrics to, to really understand what she's talking about because she's like mumbling a lot. But when I did, yes. I was like, well, shit. Yes. Yeah. I still have to do that level of listen. There are still a couple songs in the middle where I'm like, I don't know if I can get through this, but the well, the bread on the sandwich is good. Okay, I'm going to ask my question for the culture now. Yes, please. The culture is super sick right now. It's actually really bad, period. I'm assuming you have not watched Love is Blind yet? I have watched the first episode. This doesn't apply specifically to the new season. It's just a pattern that I've noticed in the show, okay. which is... What is it, how is it possible that these people all say the same thing about changing the world together, (laughs) quotes? Like, they'll be like, babe, are you ready to change? Like, we could change the world together. Are you ready to change the world? Like, are these people planning world domination? (laughs) Like, what? I know, like, are they going to change the world by, like, getting a rustic sign in their home, in their condo. I, so to me, I haven't noticed so much that phrase, but the phrase I'm looking to find my person Mm -hmm. is far too much. It's just way too much. And they say it on The Bachelor constantly also. Energy. They talk about someone's energy manifesting you know like dumb shit like yes. the, the, when the like <laughs> pseudo therapy talk is like at an all-time high when they do the um the other thing that I think is so stupid is when they're like oh my god she's like exactly like me like we're the same person yeah I'm like what what are you Why talking you about <laughs> yeah why would you want that like I the- I just don't, in general, I don't believe in the transformative power of heterosexual love enough to buy into any of it. And also, I feel like it just goes to show that, like, it's just really contrived. And I feel like a lot of straight relationships are really contrived to make it work. (laughs) And, yeah, that's how I feel about it. Yeah, 
I think there is a lot of lying to oneself that goes on for sure. (laughs) Because something that I'm still puzzled by is the phenomenon of two people not having to have common interests to decide to spend their life together. (laughs) I totally agree. Because basically what it comes down to for a lot of these people is this is a group of men or women that want to get married. And and I know that they want to get married because they're here. And that's all I need to know that they are suitable to marry. That doesn't yeah. make sense. Well, and that's the crazy thing because I feel like commitment, like commitment phobia is like such a thing with straight couples too, that it's like the fear of commitment being not an issue makes the whole process so much smoother. Yeah. Whereas like I can think of a million examples of women I know having to like fight tooth and nail to even be called someone's girlfriend in the most inappropriate manner ever. Yeah. And it just brings me back to the whole thing of like, if you are a straight person dating someone of the opposite sex, would you just be friends with this person? Would you choose to be friends with them? Baseline. And what I was going to say is it's unthinkable (laughs) that anyone would not, but that's not true because my current situation is like that. But my first relationship It could not have been further from that. Yeah, I mean, some people are okay with that, I guess. They're okay with this whole kind. It almost strikes me as like, oh, men are from Mars, women are from Venus type of um, mentality. And some people are like, that is just true. And therefore, we cannot expect to be, to align all our interests or whatever. Like, that's too high of an expectation. Mm -hmm. And of course, you're not going to align on everything. But like, yeah, something. (laughs) This this is like everything that was in that book, The Tragedy of Heterosexuality, that I'm like still thinking about. I cannot recommend that everyone read or listen to that book enough. It like changed my thinking on so many things. Like it put words to so many feelings I've had before. And Audrey, you really need to read it. You would you would really enjoy it. There are some annoying chapters that are about like pickup artists and stuff. And I'm like, it is not 2016, mama. Like, I don't need to hear about this. But the other stuff is really good. Yeah, the point is though, question for the culture, what the fuck? Why are these people saying ready to change the world together? Are they that inflated? Like, have they really not been touched by the world? Like, they're just so up their own asses that they think that their union with some shitty dude is going to change the world. Maybe change their own worlds, change their day-to-day existence. They don't say, let's change our lives. Let's make our lives better. They say, let's change the world. (laughs) Are you ready to talk about Lizzie McGuire? Yes. So Lizzie McGuire premiered on the Disney Channel on January 21st, 2001. And the last episode played on February 14th, Valentine's Day, 2004. There were Only two seasons and only 64 episodes, with each episode running between 22 and 24 minutes. The executive producer of the series is Susan Estelle Jansen, and Stan Rogow Productions 
was the production company that the show was made under. The series was created by Terry Minsky, who is also the creator and executive producer of Andy Mack, which was like a similar genre of show that played on the Disney Channel from 2017 to 2019. She is known as a writer of strong female characters. She also created Less Than Perfect for MTV and even wrote two episodes of Sex and the City. Synopsis from IMDb. A completely normal 13-year-old girl living a completely normal life. She goes to a completely normal school with her best friends, Miranda Sanchez and David Gordo Gordon. They help her in situations where she is stuck and needs help and depends on them. Her home life is completely stereotypical with a nuclear family that consists of her gnome-loving dad, Sam, level-headed mom, Joe, and bratty younger brother, Matt. That's like a weirdly condemning synopsis, but... Why why do they want her? What do they want from her? Jeez. I know. That was the most (laughs) fleshed out one I could find, though. So... Then I went to Common Sense Media, my favorite outlet. They rated the show four stars and that it was appropriate for ages eight and up. What parents need to know is that Lizzie and her friends are constantly grappling with notions of social acceptance and what it takes to be a, quote, cool kid. Families can talk about how tweens should deal with peer pressure and what they think about the eternal search for popularity. And the Common Sense Media page does not have any note indicating that the show ended. So no one has addressed this show in a very long time on Common Sense Media. But I plucked three parent reviews that I thought were really funny. The first one is this. The title of the review is Well, and this is the body of it. I think the show is really good, but there is a part in season two where Lizzie gives the younger brother a very big wedgie, exposing his briefs. I thought, no big deal. But then my daughter became practically obsessed with trying to give wedgies, and the wedgies did not feel good. The second one, girls love Lizzie. All girls love Lizzie. She goes through all the highs and lows and preteen angst they do, and she's funny. The girls in the show are very self-aware of what they are wearing, how they look, and all things dealing with appearance. They wear entirely too much makeup for their age, and that isn't appropriate to encourage. What happened to natural beauty? Young girls are beautiful, some lip gloss and a highlighting blusher, perhaps, maybe they're British, but that's (laughs) as far as it should go. And then lastly, bad examples. Well, any show that shows what an average person is like will have much objection because I am different. Lizzie McGuire is no exception. She is a poor example, too. They talk too much about their bad fashion sense, and they show a big image that girls like a good-looking doofus better than an average Joe who will like them better. Since the show has lots to do with clothes, I would say have your own fashion. This show stresses the importance of others' opinions, so they would never say that. The show makes the average girl look like a selfish, self-absorbed, weak-minded, and somewhat mean person. I don't believe average girls are like this, but hey, the girls I like aren't too average, per se. That made no sense. I know. I felt like I was um, like reading a teleprompter in front of a giant crowd of people, like not knowing what was going to come next going (laughs) through that. Okay. So the cast here, I'm going to keep it short and sweet because we have a lot to get to. Of course, Lizzie McGuire is played by Hilary Duff. I don't need to expand upon who that woman is. We all know who she is. Next, we have Lelaine as Miranda Sanchez. 
She did a few things here or there uh, since Lizzie McGuire, but generally has been very troubled. I'm not going to air out her dirty laundry here, but you can find out what has been her deal if you look it up. Um, She was notably in the 1997 Annie, though, with Sarah Hyland in the ensemble as well. And, you know... That's a good credit to have. But um, you will notice, and I kind of forgot, that halfway through season two, she left the show. And that's why she also wasn't in the Lizzie McGuire movie. And everything I could find is that they claim that she left to go shoot work other, on things other things and I work know. on her music career. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense, but... Whatever you want to tell us, Disney. Next, we have Adam Lamberg as David Gordo Gordon. He was going to come back for the 2019 revival of Lizzie McGuire. As we all know, that was supposed to be on Disney Plus, but it imploded because Hillary wanted it to be like, actually edgy and like representative of the life of like a mid 30s person and Disney was like no heart but there were pictures of Hillary and Adam Lamberg in their costumes posted on social media and stuff so interesting to know then we have Jake Thomas as Matt McGuire Hallie Todd as Joe McGuire Robert Carradine as Sam McGuire well really all of these people Lizzie McGuire is their main thing that's why I didn't put in a ton of other details our memories of this show before re-watching it I did not watch a ton of Lizzie McGuire as a kid. It ended before we really started watching the Disney Channel. It ended in 2004. So we saw it a little bit, but not a lot. But I always think of like the groovy patterns and like the tie-dye and more of like the merchandising aesthetic of Lizzie McGuire over the show itself. I always thought of it as kind of like confessional, like intimate, sitting in my bedroom vibes. I kind of, for some reason, feel like I might have watched it more than you, but I don't know how that could be possible because I'm two years younger. I agree that I don't remember those. I don't, I did not remember like episode plots. Also, the shadow of the movie really kind of overtakes the show in, in a lot of people's minds. Yes. So yes. I think the aesthetic of the movie kind of overpowers the show in my mind. I do I do like the fashion though. The fashion is good, but we're I'm just asking, we're just talking about what we did not what we were imagining going into the rewatch. Yeah, just like quirky family situations, some like sound effects, some yes. feelings, stuff like that. So, we will address whether or not our expectations aligned with reality in the second half. But if you want to watch the episodes that we cover or want to just refresh your memory on what the show is like in general, it is available on Disney Plus in full. The episodes are short. You can watch a lot really fast. And if you haven't seen it in a while, I would recommend a revisit because it's pretty interesting. Do you want to tell them before the break what we're covering? Oh, yeah, that would be good. Okay, so if you want to catch up, this is going to be the ongoing format for our TV episodes because I realized there was a pattern between this one and the As Told by Ginger one. We're always going to do the first episode, an episode that's important to the romantic plot line, an episode that's supposed to be like the deep episode, 
a funny, memorable, kind of inconsequential episode, and then the series finale. So in this case, what we did was season one, episode one, Rumors. Season one, episode seven, Aaron Carter's Coming to Town. Season two, episode one, First Kiss. Season two, episode 16, Inner Beauty. And the series finale, season two, episode 34, but episode 24 on Disney Plus. Yeah. Bye bye, Hildridge Junior High. So that's your um assignment. That's your itinerary. <laughs> and we will be right back. BRB. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey... Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. All right, everybody, we are back. And we're just going to get real cozy talking about Lizzie McGuire here today. (laughs) So, Audrey, will you give us some information on the first episode that we watched? Yes. So, season one, episode one, it's called Rumors, and it aired on January 21st, 2001. The summary for the episode is, when Lizzie accidentally starts a mean rumor about Kate, Miranda stands up for her friend and takes the blame. Unfortunately, she has to deal with the fallout of ticking off the school's new head cheerleader. Okay, so we're going to talk about just things that stood out to us about this episode, and then we can kind of talk about whatever the moral or emotional takeaway of the episode is, or whatever we think it may be. This was the first one we watched. Really, the thing, honestly, about this entire series of episodes that stood out to me the most is that whoever was doing their hair is like, like when I see those hairdos, we don't see white excellence very often, (laughs) but those hairdos are white excellence. Yeah. Like they're perfect. Like every little piece is perfect. They look so good. It's true. In the early 2000s, The hair and makeup people were not afraid of a glitter. They were not afraid of a gloss and they were not afraid (gasps) of a part in any part, on any part of your head. Yes. They had no And they were not afraid of a little, of a little tease. They didn't need the hair to look effortless. No. At all. They weren't afraid of a headband, a clip, a scrunchie, a ribbon, (laughs) a jewel, anything. Even the mom's hair where they're trying to make it like a casual claw clip thing. You can see that every single piece is like artfully laid into its position. Yeah. And the makeup, I like the makeup. I think it's, I think it's 
you know, it's more than most people their age would wear. But I think that's it, that it's fun. And it usually looked good. It was like pretty I mean, natural. They all look great. But I think the issue is that Hillary Duff was born looking 23. Yeah. And still looks 23. Yeah. She does not, even though she was a middle schooler, like she does not look like a middle schooler and like the perfect fashion and the perfect makeup like makes it a lot more confusing than it needs to be. It's like um, Sasha from Pretty Little Liars. She was like... 13 when she started on that show and everyone else was like 22 in the main group she was 13 or 12 even but she looks 18 probably it's insane and they have a similar thing I mean the truth is like I think of like actual representations of 13 year olds that are supposed to be realistic and I think of like eighth grade or like pen one five or something. And it's like, this was not going for that, obviously. So that's okay. Also, something that I'm just going to keep coming back to with this show is that I just, I simply don't buy that Lizzie would not be cool. How how is she not cool? She seems cooler than Kate. Like she's- Well, she and Kate also look really similar, all things considered. I don't think anyone would- their portrayal of like a head cheerleader bully is like not even good for that. It's like you didn't even do no. a good job of making a mean cheerleader. She's just kind of weird. You are so going to pay for this. I have some, I feel like we're getting into the big picture things very quickly. I have some overarching issues with this show, but I don't know whether I should wait until later to say them. The whole Kate thing is very confusing to me. And the end of this episode with the whole like cheerleaders doing the routine that is like talking shit about Lizzie. Like, That's fine, I guess. (laughs) But to me, it's just like, this is where the toxic popularity culture got a little out of control. Yeah. Like, there was no basis for literally any of that. And it's just this weird internalized misogyny, like, fever dream. Yeah. And, like, it also looked really weird. Like, the way it was shot was weird. poorly choreographed. Like, nobody nobody memorized it. It was, like, really pieced together. And then they would just cut to Lizzie, Gordo, and Miranda making, like, this face. And it was just not good. Yes. It It felt very, like, straight to home video Mary-Kate and Ashley special in those moments. It was so weird. And another thing that really left me with kind of a question mark over my head after watching the first uh, episode. And okay, the hardcore listeners know I am not a Hillary Duff girl. I'm gonna, that none of this as always is a personal attack on her. I just think it's really confusing that she is such a cultural icon, but whatever. My main point is, so in my mind, I was always like, okay, cartoon Lizzie, like she's going to say what Lizzie's really thinking. Like she's so important because of X, Y, Z. But like nothing that cartoon Lizzie says is important 
or something that she wouldn't just say out loud anyway. Okay, I know what you're thinking. Me, Lizzie McGuire, cheerleader? What up with that? I mean, nothing could be more superficial, demeaning, and shallow. Cheerleading is like this plot to make girls feel bad about themselves. Most like of the, cartoon most Lizzie, of the time. Not 100% yeah. of the time. I just don't think that cartoon Lizzie... Is it necessary. kind of feels like they, yeah, it feels like they pitched the show to involve Cartoon Lizzie and then it evolved past that, but they didn't want to cut it. Yeah, agree that it was a tool that, like, you could do a lot of cool things with it that they kind of chose not to do at some point. But, like, yeah. that as a device is very powerful because if they had used it in a, in a more impactful way because middle schoolers are lying all the time. Like, middle schoolers... Yeah are constantly not saying what they mean. They're constantly lying. They're constantly overthinking. Like, yeah. So I think that was the idea. But yeah, they didn't really use it as strongly as they could have. I also think that Matt is such a horrible pander to the non-existent male audience. I know. It hurts me. It's like Tangled when we were talking about making it pander to boys because imagining something that's just for girls is, like, illegal. Yeah, well, it was reminding me a little bit of As Told by Ginger, where well, you've got the little brother plotline. You've got the older plotline, the younger plotline, one for four boys, one for girls. Um, yeah. Not really true. And obviously, As Told by Ginger feels like a much better version of that. Yeah. Um, but I do feel like they're kind of going for a similar thing. Here, ugly little Lizzie. Here, girl. What'd you call that thing? Ugly? You called it Lizzie. Well, there's no denying the resemblance. Hey. Children. That same thing occurred to me, and I feel like, as told by Ginger, is, like, a really, really good example of how to make that worthwhile because the stories are interesting with the little brother, and it's more than just, like, whoa, I'm slipping on a banana peel or something. Yeah. Like, it's a real story. And um, I mean, sometimes. <laughs> I, I feel like I got, I get bored. With, I got bored with them, but they are better off usually than Matt in this show. Kate stuffing her bra, that being the whole plot line, Miranda taking the fall for her. I have another hot take about Miranda and Lizzie. They, okay, so obviously their friendship is an important part of the TV show. Not as important as Lizzie and Gordo, which whatever comes up later. But despite the fact that they're best friends or whatever, they do not seem to actually like each other or have fun together. <laughs> Only occasionally. In some moments, I was like, no, I do buy them as a friend group. But usually when it's just them on their own, it's a little bit less obvious. But when they're in the group, I think it gets better. It kind of made me wonder, like, is that just how it is in middle school? Like, do girl, even girls that are friends, do they kind of hate each other on some level? Like, is that a thing? Like, I was thinking back to middle school, and I feel like that was true with, like, 
some people I was friends with right when I moved to Solon. But when I think of like Allie Miller or someone like I adored her in eighth grade, like there was no underlying beef there. No, I mean, I didn't. I liked my friends, my best friends for sure. I think for some people it's true and some people it's not that they do. We'll talk about it in later episodes, but like their conflicts with each other and the way that they address each other is like really fucking harsh. (laughs) It's so harsh. And it doesn't seem like it's actually based on like love and trust. It just feels like actual aggression. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's also possible they since they are minors, they can only hide so much of whatever true feelings they have in their acting. So I've it probably is very possible that Lelaine was not fucking with Hillary that much. And so it comes out in a, it's possible. I might be making that up, but it could be true. I mean, I think you're kind of right. Yeah. (laughs) But who knows? We weren't there, but we can speculate all we want. To me, there was no emotional takeaway No, it's a pretty unremarkable first episode, but I do think that's a common pattern. Like, as told by Ginger, we felt the same way. Yeah. We were like, you know, you meet the characters, that's kind of it. But I guess it does kind of set up the whole, like, Lizzie's coming into her own, like, friendship issues, like, theme. But other than that, that's how I feel about that first episode. So next episode we have here is season one, episode seven, Aaron Carter's coming to town. (laughs) And uh, the summary for this one is, well, it premiered on March 23rd, 2001. And the summary is, when Aaron Carter comes to town to shoot his new music video, Lizzie, Gordo, Miranda, and Matt decide to sneak onto the set. I mean, that really just explained (laughs) the whole thing. This is an elaborate marketing uh, situation. And the, like, I I don't want to spend long on this one because really there's not much to talk about. But the freaking yes. kiss at the end, like, I could not believe how awkward that was and how weird <laughs> it was. I know. Like, to those who remember, Aaron Carter is in 10 seconds of one scene and then, like, does a lip sync performance at the yeah. end. It is so weird. Like, there's this whole friendship moment where only one of them can go meet Aaron Carter. And Hillary is like, Miranda, you can go meet Aaron Carter. You're so talented at singing. Like, go let him see how talented you are. Miranda, you should go. What? You're a really good singer. And this is a great opportunity for you. And it's like, (laughs) oh, wow. Like, Lizzie wasn't being selfish. And then... They forgot some shit in tape his dressing recorder. room. And she, yes. And then she goes back to get it. She goes back to get the tape recorder. She knocks on the door. Aaron Carter opens the door and he goes, is this yours? He hands it back to her. It says her name on it. And then there's a mistletoe that just so happens to be above the door frame. And then he just, he just takes it upon himself to kiss her. And, and, and then she just turns back, walks back to her friends. They go, did you get it back or whatever? And she's like, yeah, I got more than just the same recorder back. Is this yours? <laughs> Merry Christmas, Lizzie McGuire. Right here and now, let's 
Another funny thing is that there's mistletoe there and they're filming a holiday video, but this episode came out in March and it's not <laughs> Christmas time. It's like not a Christmas episode, but then there's moments where they like try to make it a Christmas episode for a second when they're like in the spirit of Christmas, let us yeah. meet Aaron Carter. <laughs> if I was Miranda, so I'd be like, you're literally the worst friend ever. Like you, like it's now, did that just happen to her I guess but also I'd be like I would be like no you're not entitled to go knock on his door after we almost just got kicked out of the place for even being here like you're just gonna mosey up like you're really that brave that you're just gonna go knock on his door it it was like a cop-out the whole thing I mean I think you're right it had to have been like a promotional thing it felt very Of its time. And that was cool. But other than that, that's it. You know what else it reminded me of is the episode of Zoe 101 where in universe they want Drake Bell to play on their campus. (laughs) Oh my God. And they're like, no, we need to get Drake Bell. And it's just like this ploy to get to have Drake Bell playing music on another show. Isn't that weird? That's so unsettling. Yeah, that's the Dan Schneider verse for you. Wait, which also, we're going to come back to the Zoe 101 parallels because there definitely are some in this show. Or really, it's that Zoe 101 has Lizzie McGuire parallels because that is how it was produced. The next episode we're going to talk about is season two, episode one, First Kiss, which is our important for the romantic plot episode. This episode premiered on February 8th, 2002, and the summary is this. Lizzie meets Ronnie, a paperboy. She falls for him and gets a series of firsts. First love, first kiss, and first heartbreak. In the span of five minutes. (laughs) Yes, it all happens very fast. I mean, the first thing I noticed right off the bat since this is season two, episode one, is how much they all grew. Like, they actually, they do all look... More like teenagers. I could relate to this episode. Not because I had like a thrilling middle school relationship, not to besmirch Chris's name (laughs) as he is certainly listening right now. I do think that the thrill of being like chosen is one thing, like being able to be like, I have a boyfriend, like this is, like I'm, I was picked, like I'm whatever. That is very thrilling. Like it feels like a milestone of growing up or whatever, but it's more of an identity thing than a relationship thing at the time. In in this episode, it had me thinking about also how it would seem that they will never choose to give Miranda a love interest plot. It's like, yeah, yes, she is the sidekick technically, but like, I almost felt like it would have been more interesting if she was the one who had this little fling situation and that Lizzie was the one who was navigating like how to deal with it. I I don't know. It was just very typical that they gave it to Lizzie because 
she's Hillary Duff or whatever. Also, two blonde yeah. people. It just makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> it's very early 2000s fantasy to have two blonde people. Yeah, and, like, of course the dude is, like, he, the guy looks like the human version of the cartoon 16 or a male Bratz doll. He was giving also extreme nooch um, towards <laughs> Hillary. Yeah. Like, he was just yeah. kind of like, yeah, fuck you, bye. Like, <laughs> Yeah. The thing that I found the most puzzling about this episode is when Hillary, I'm going to call her Lizzie, when Lizzie just goes in on Miranda and is like, you're just jealous because I have a boyfriend and you don't. And then they never apologize. Yeah. And then at the end, Miranda is just like, she just comes just back. Like, it zooms out and she's just like walks up to her and like puts her arm around her and they walk away. Yeah. I mean, w- w- several of these episodes have that problem where the issue was actually unresolved and it's force resolved at the end. Like there is no actual talk. A lot of times they don't wrap up every storyline at the end of every episode. We could start talking about the Gordo love story because this is the episode where, like, they really start to play it up, like. Yes, yes. So as she is having her first kiss with What's-His-Face, um, the blonde guy, they come apart, their faces come apart, and Gordo is gagged. He's standing in the background, <laughs> and he's absolutely gagged. And I was like, okay, so now they're really going to be blatant. With the crush. I mean, you always kind of know that he's got a crush on Lizzie. Like, it's been mentioned before. It's been felt. Yeah. But uh, never was it so, like, blatantly shown that he would be mad or jealous. I like Gordo, actually. I like Gordo as a character. I don't I don't even think he's annoying. I think he's... No, a, he's, he's not. He's a pretty great friend for them. He's a great contributor to their little group. He clearly can hang, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, no, like, Gordo is not bad. He's into film. (laughs) (laughs) He's got hobbies. Um, Yes. And I would say he's too good for Lizzie, honestly, because Lizzie can't even... Lizzie's not going to like you, Gordo. I'm sorry, but... It's just not going to happen for you. It might happen for like 10 minutes, but it won't. It's not going to last. Yeah, I feel like she would like him. Because I don't know. Like they she don't... would like him because he likes her. She wouldn't like him. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Herself. Even though they're like friends. Yeah. I guess. He's also Jewish. So add that to the positive elements <laughs> as we learned in that flashback. Yeah, yeah. It contributes to the whole, like, Miranda is a third wheel vibe. Like, especially because in every episode I saw with Miranda in it, she didn't seem to be, like, having a good time. Like, she didn't seem... It's very realistic. (laughs) Yeah, like... (laughs) But even before the romantic subplot was there, like, she just always seemed kind of annoyed to be there. And I don't know if that was like Lelaine or the character. I'm guessing it was just Lelaine, especially because she dipped out so fast. Yeah, I mean, the choice that the writers took, even when she was still there, ended up well for them because Lelaine left. So like, thank God they didn't build up this whole thing with like Gordo and Lelaine or something or Ethan Kraft and Lelaine or something because that would have sucked for them. So like they did make the right choice with that, but... 
Yeah, I think well, maybe. it's I think it's partially her just her personality coming through and partially because you could take her lines and like deliver them differently and she could probably seem like a a happier person. Yeah. I don't know. Like I think of like iCarly or something where I don't even remember how the love triangle ended up working out in that one. It, I don't care. But like big personalities make it feel fine no matter what, in my opinion. Well, let me just say that in the current reboot iCarly world, Carly and Freddie are together. Yeah, like I just heard the other day that their next season, the fact that that show has three seasons is like really confusing to me, but their their yeah. next season that hasn't come out yet is literally just about like the Carly, Freddie, like love story and it's so uncomfortable oh, it's watching Be- this it, I don't fucking know it's so uncomfortable because now I think Miranda Cosgrove is a sweet woman I feel like she's a good <laughs> friend she takes care of animals I feel like she's a good person but she does not have chemistry with any other living human <laughs> here's the problem the show is boring as shit do you agree I don't know. I need to like watch more shows that are similar to it to remember if this is like run of the mill or if it is more boring. Because I think there's like, for example, Unfabulous, other shows that take place a lot in the hallway and stuff like that. But I think it moves. Actually, you know what I do want to talk about is the parents. We haven't talked about the parents at all. Yes, I was going to say that I think the cute, like, mom and Lizzie conversations are good. Yeah, and, like, one of our major complaints always with newer Disney shows is that the kids either don't have parents, and same with Nickelodeon. The kids don't have parents that are in the show, or the parents that they do have are played purely as jokes most of the time. And they're not really shown as people that you can depend on or go to. So I think this show does a good job of a, like a realistically supportive portrayal of parents. Like these people are actually present and they are actually there for their kids. And that's pretty mm-hmm. rare. I would say that in everything we watched, I agree. When I was going through reviews, there was a decent amount of feedback saying that they do treat the parents as jokes. Not compared to later. Not compared to other shows. Yeah. Are you ready to move on to inner beauty? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So season two, episode 16. This is the deep one. Inner beauty broadcast on August 30th, 2002. The summary is Lizzie and Gordo worry about Miranda's diet. Okay, well, I had a very unexpected thing occur to me while watching this episode. Okay. You have to understand that I am I'm in my cycle currently, and <laughs> it does take hold of my emotional state in a way that you cannot believe. So by the time I got to their little talk at the end where they're confronting they're confronting yeah and I was like are you fucking kidding me like I can anything will make me cry when I'm on this particular moment of my cycle literally anything like 
I could watch like anything and find a way to cry. <laughs> so that's I, good. <laughs> that I'm just glad you know yourself well enough to know that that is why you react the oh, way you react. Uh, yes, a hundred percent. Because literally, all it took was them being like, "We care about you, Miranda," and I was like, "I'm crying." <laughs> like that was it. It's, I honestly like. I know. I, was, I knew you I was, were so unfazed by that. I was not phased. I was not phased. I couldn't help but compare it to the episode of That's So Raven that's about being fat. Hey, you just think this girl does not have the look. The look. Who says that's the only look? You make people feel bad if they don't look like that. No one looks like that. I don't even look like that. Because in case you haven't noticed, people come in all shapes and sizes and they're all beautiful. Tell it, girl! Speak the truth! Put that in your mouth. And how the takeaways of it were so different. Like, the takeaway of this episode is like, but she's not even fat. And the takeaway of That's So Raven is, if you can work it, you're good. Like, it's it's about confidence versus about, like... Your size, literally. It just makes me think about how things have changed and haven't changed in the way where people think that fat is like a dirty word. But like, if you were a little kid watching Lizzie McGuire and Hillary Duff is there, like she's not even fat. It's like, okay, but what if you're fat? Like, what if the little kid watching it is fat? Yeah. Like, do we want them to feel like, oh, I deserve to have an eating disorder because mm-hmm. I am fat? Yeah. Like, the lesson was super half-baked. Their little 180 moment at the very end was so stupid. In yeah. no world would somebody who is struggling with thoughts like that, would they be turning around the next day and being like, so basically what it is, is they're filming a music video and Miranda's like, she starts having all these thoughts about how she doesn't look good in the pictures, blah, blah, blah. It's not that. It's just, how come no one's ever told me I have like six chins? Because you only have one? Are we looking at the same picture? <gasps> and my arms, they're so big. What are you talking about, Miranda? You look great in that picture. I think you're overreacting. Overreacting? Overreacting? We're about to shoot a video. You do know the camera adds 10 pounds, don't you? Don't worry. We'll wear black. It's very slimming. That won't be enough. Have you seen the dancers in those videos? Not only are they gorgeous, they're tiny. I'm not tiny nor gorgeous. And then she stops eating. And that's like the diet, the quote diet that she has put herself on. And then they're practicing for the music video. She faints. Uh, Lizzie's mom is like, girl, what is going on? Lizzie tells her mom what's going on. And then ultimately the problem is solved by Gordo and Lizzie just talking to Miranda and saying that your diet scares us, but we care about you. And it's sort of also equated with Miranda talking about stressors in her life. Like her parents were so perfect. They're putting all this pressure on her to be perfect. Um, And it's like driving her crazy all of a sudden. And so there's like parts of that that are great for an episode on this topic. I do think that it is kind of surprisingly relevant for them to write about other stressors in a kid's life that would contribute to thinking like that 
like seemingly out of nowhere. To me, it just becomes a PSA extremely hard at that point. And I don't like it. Yeah, I mean, it's not like acted or written brilliantly, but I was like, I was expecting it to start and she just like, there is no precursor to her going on the diet. Like, I just thought it was going to be like really not, it was not going to explore her emotional state in any way yeah, yeah, about something that doesn't just have to do with her body. So yeah, as a young person, I didn't think about how it's the whole picture that can contribute to thinking poorly about yourself like that. Like it doesn't always just come from the media. It's not always yeah. you saw these magazines and now you think you need to lose weight. There's like a lot of other reasons as to why that could happen. Yeah. I agree with everything you're saying. I think for me, it's hard to get past the fact that it seems like the entire conversation would never have happened had she actually been a little fat. Mm -hmm. Is that having too high of expectations? Probably, but it's just like, as someone who is very much like in the dead middle between plus sizes and straight sizes, like, when you start going on a tour of your mind and like seeing all of the things you saw when you were a kid that would reinforce that it was bad to like, like a moral failing to be fat or whatever, you're just like, throw it out. Like, I don't yeah. know. I just don't like it's it. It's not <laughs> great. Yeah, it's not great. I get, They took like a stab in the dark and it seemed only partially educated it seemed at like a 30 percent educational level like very low yes Um, yes like I I don't actually know how impressed or not impressed to be because I don't understand where the culture was in 2001 I know things were bad yeah I know things were bad well I I have a pretty good understanding because I've been reading and like listening to a lot of stuff on this lately but it was like deep Weight Watchers time. Like, it was very, like, normalization of dieting. Like, I hate to bring this up because I think it's such a stupid buzzword that people are, like, milking for content right now. But, like, the whole almond mom thing. Mm, Yeah. Like, like, this era was, like, the perfect moment of that. I feel like this through, like, 2008. Like, this era was very that. Yeah, I think I I do remember. I definitely remember the that stuff like Weight Watchers, blah blah blah, and kind of like telling people that your want to diet to lose weight to be more appealing in society is can be out in the open entirely. Like it got so not to use the word normalized, but but yeah, like yeah. buying the meals. Like you didn't have to like be. Uh, hidden about the fact that you like wanted to change yourself like do you know what I mean yeah like well I feel like for a lot of people still to this day it's not like that but for us and like our demographic like it is so embarrassing to ever admit that you would want that because you know how hard you're getting played when Mm -hmm. you admit that out loud you know like if you're in good health it shouldn't matter 
right. what size you are. Obviously, that's not the reality of society as a whole. But like, I think that's what we're striving towards and to falter on that journey, which obviously people are going to do because you can't be perfect always, feels really embarrassing like, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah I, yeah, I I agree. Which that can probably cause a lot of internal issues on its own. Like that, like yes. a, a moral failing when you trip up mentally or like you are in a bad place about your body. Like you're allowed yeah. to have that. But there's, I yeah. see it on TikTok all the time. Like people who are fat activists and they feel like they have to be perfect in their um yeah in their own like mental journeys and it's like eh, that's yeah. not how it works this is not yeah. how it works yeah i think a lot of the time about that and especially because i work with kids and a lot of girls i'm like it's like they would never know if i did or didn't have insecurities but i always felt like the cool teachers when I was a kid were like really thin, fashionable women and stuff like that. And I don't know, just like there's a really specific image of what like a successful adult looks like when you're a little kid. And I don't know. I don't know. It's like I don't want the kids that I'm spending time around to grow up worrying about that. And so I feel like by like I need to not think about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, know? I think, yeah, like you do yourself – uh, like if we could all get out of our heads and like the mirror in general, that's only a good thing. Inner beauty, the episode did not take us to, di- did not guide us into this level of depth. We guided ourselves not into even, this level of depth. Not even close. No, no, they didn't really do it. When Lizzie yeah. initially confronted Miranda, <laughs> I don't know why it's a confrontation, but when she initially talked to Miranda when they were shopping she was delivering those lines with like zero love in her heart like it was like (laughs) she was like just pure judgment and pure disdain and I was like okay yes great yes well so I guess that might be a good end cap to talking about their friendship before we go into this last one they are not a believable example of a best friendship between two girls they, Unless we're talking about like a toxic one, yeah. then they do. I say, yeah, 10 out of 10 believable if it's not supposed to be good. <laughs> it's not aspirational, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. And you know what? When I think about it, there are a lot of like best friend duos and Disney shows where they put each other down a lot. Like they like joke at each other's expense a lot. I mean, characters with no conflicts between them are boring, but I think there's a difference between conflict and just long-term disdain. Incompatibility. Okay, last but not least, we have the series finale, season two, episode 34, Bye Bye Hildridge Junior High. It premiered on February 14th, 2004, and the summary is... As Lizzie and her friends get ready for middle school graduation, Gordo tries to figure out the perfect thing to write in her yearbook. But let's not get it twisted. This is a clip show. Yeah, this is a clip episode. This is a open the yearbook and cut back to old scenes from old episodes so we can reminisce, so we can fill the airtime because we don't know what the fuck to do in our finale. (laughs) Yes. They clearly 
did not want to take any of the plot relevance. They could not take the Lizzie Gordo love story too far because guess what was coming? The movie, right? Or was the movie movie before? Before. Yeah. So the plots diverged because the movie came out in 2003. But the, it, in my head, and I'm pretty sure we might've established this in the episode, which was literally years ago, but like, yeah, that it was clearly written to be after the show ended because she's leaving. It fits perfectly. She's graduating eighth grade. Yeah. Yeah. It fits perfectly into the timeline of the show. Like, it's like the show ends and then the movie picks up from there. Yeah. Also, Mr. Mosby is in this episode because... I know. Also, Coach Beast is in it. Coach Beast is in it. And this one you probably didn't catch. Sarah Paxton. Really? For like two seconds. Like less than two seconds. That's so funny. Yeah. That's so funny. I don't know. This episode was anticlimactic. Yeah. Oh, I was like mad at what he chose to write in the yearbook. Peak won't hurt. Dear Lizzie, you rock. Don't ever change. And only I really mean it. That is so sweet. Oh my gosh. I know. I don't know how she could possibly read into that that hard. Yeah. Like this entire episode, the whole joke of the thing is that she's going to write, you rock, never change in everybody's yearbook, even though she doesn't think they rock and she wants them to change. So you're telling me that that message inspired her to look at him in a romantic light? (laughs) It was so forced. Like very forced. And also, though, I was living for, like, the early 2000s ballad that was playing yeah. as that clip montage played. Like, and I, I think that one of the big questions for hardcore fans of the show is, like, did Lizzie know that he liked her the whole time? Yeah. And to me, it seems kind of immaterial because I don't think it would have changed anything, really. I think she does know, but she just, I I, I don't think it's super clear in her mind, but she definitely has an inkling and she just like doesn't, she like doesn't want it to be the case because she what? Doesn't like Gordo. And I'm just, I'm sticking by that. If you picked up on that inkling, your male best friend likes you. If you like him back, that would be like hitting the lottery. That would be like the best thing ever. So yeah. She doesn't like him and going down this, like, I, I want better for Gordo. I mean, she also, like, actively is still thirsting for Ethan Craft to in the, the last, last second. episode. Yeah. Ethan Craft sucks. She's got bad taste. Okay, this is, like, so this is my, like, closing argument for the existence of this show. My question for it, really, is that if... Hillary Duff wasn't playing Lizzie McGuire. This show would be nothing. It would be literally nothing. But to me, it's like this weird chicken in the egg situation because it's like, to me, when I watch it, I'm like, okay, Hillary Duff is making the show. But I'm I'm pretty sure this was like her first big recurring role. So yeah. am I to assume that the entire success of this show is contingent upon the participation of Hillary Duff. 
I think what it has to be is that the storylines and her as a person are like pretty relatable, but it's like only relatable to the most like conventional Midwestern standards ever, which makes sense because it's Disney. But I'm just like, how did this become like a cultural institution? And like, why do people care about Hillary Duff so much? I've never felt that people really do like her so much. But I, I just, I feel this, this a massive across the board okayness with her. I think everybody's just like, yeah. But like, really think about when we were kids, like everyone wanted her CD. Everyone thought she was so cool. Like she was the it girl for a minute. And I think people are still nostalgic about that her. That character was me. I wasn't acting like that. You know what I mean? Like uh, the writers would be like, what's happening with you and your friends? What are you wearing right now? Like I picked all my own clothes. I, so fun. It was so such a, we had so much in common, I would say that like. Whatever. And that's what made the show so real, man. Well, I think it also, I'm grateful for the fan base that it gave me. Uh-huh. Like people have stuck with me for so long because that show touched them for whatever reason. Again, she seems very nice to me. Yeah. In the same way I, that Miranda Cosgrove seems nice. It's just completely like if she hit you in that moment, she hit you in that moment, you're forever going to see her that way. And if you didn't, you didn't. It's like it missed you or it hit you. That's basically it. Yeah. It missed me, but yeah. I was also in my like, I'm obsessed with Raven from Teen Titans era at the time that I was hit with her. So I wasn't interested in that, really. I definitely never chose a blonde person to look up to. (laughs) You know, me neither. Like, I didn't. I don't know what that's about, but I didn't. No. I think there was just always like more of a coolness factor to me for the people who weren't blonde. No, that's just real. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not I'm never gonna not agree with that. <sighs> so if you love Hillary Duff, if you love Lizzie McGuire, I am happy for you. This might bring my reign of terror to an end in regards to my opinion on Hillary Duff. So congratulations if that makes you happy. <laughs> oh yeah, we're, we're no more of this. I no think more. we actually no have yeah, no more negativity. <laughs> Let us know what other shows you want us to cover. I enjoyed covering this one. Well, we should answer, though. Is it good? Did it leave oh. an impact on its genre? Well, it certainly left an impact. Whether or not we think it's good or not, there are a lot of shows that came before it that I... are similar and shows that came after it. It just continued okay, the trend. Okay, but, but that's why it continued the trend. It yeah. didn't create anything. No. Wait, also, though, we forgot to mention that the whole, like, blonde girl oblivious to guy with curly hair having a crush on her as a best friend thing happened in Zoe 101, like, immediately after this. So that's yep. that. I don't think it impacted the genre. I think it just was another iteration of a thing that's been done a thousand times. One thing I can give it credit for, and you might even disagree with this, but the thing that I have the most nostalgia for is really the theme. It's the visual. It's a great theme. The visual of the theme and the song. Regard, like, that's the best part for me. Is it a comforting show? Yes. Is the theme song comforting? Yes. But is it good? I can't no. just. Is it groundbreaking? No. no. I can't just lie. No, <laughs> no like, it, it, it's like a piece of Wonder Bread when you really want one. 
Yeah. You know? Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. Not. If you were sick and you like low-key couldn't keep your eyes open, this is a great show. <laughs> <laughs> I could not have said it better myself. That is the truth of this show. Yeah. So sorry, dolls, if you really love this one. It's so bad. You have to rewatch it if you uh, haven't. Yeah. Re- you might be blinded by nostalgia, though. Mm-hmm. I think I thought that it would be... Then again, I did not rewatch most of it. So who knows? But we can only assume. I, mean, I plucked most of these from a ranked list of the best episodes. Yeah. And if this is the cream of the crop, holy shit. That's my opinion. That's that. That's our opinion. That's that. <laughs> Audrey. You can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover dash cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at twopinkproductions.com. We're on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube at sleepover cinema and post a full video version of each episode on YouTube every Thursday. You can follow me, Audrey, at Audriana Leach on everything. And you can follow me, Hannah, at Hannah Ray Leach on Instagram and on Twitter once again because I made a normie audio producer Twitter account with my old handle. So if you want to see my really polished professional self, you're cordially invited. And, okay, we didn't even mention this. Please join our Discord server. Um, We did a really fun trivia night last night with a bunch of you guys, a bunch of the people that are active in the chat. I think we had like... 14 people, 15 people. It was really fun. Audrey was self-conscious about the difficulty level of the (laughs) trivia, but I thought it was perfect. And it was really fun. So if you want to participate in similar events going forward, please join our Discord server at the link in the episode description or on evergreenpodcast.com. You can check out our merch at twopinkproductions.com slash shop and our case fight code, which is 15 sleepover. And if you want to piss off the Hillary Duff fan in your life, send them this episode and my regrets. I am so sorry. Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts, produced, edited, and engineered by us, Hannah, and Audrey Leach. Sleepover Cinema is mixed by Sean Roll Hoffman with theme music by Josh Perlman Hall. Executive producer is Michael D'Aloya. We'll figure it out <laughs> on the way. Bye. <laughs> You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death Ready. of a Film Star. Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.